Welcome to City on a Hill Gaming, a 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcast. Let's meet our players. Hi, I'm Grant, and I'm playing Trather Wimblin, a human fighter. Hi, I'm Jenny, and I'm going to be playing John Abermere, a crimson-born human. Peter, Bertrand Greystone, Dwarven Forge Cleric. William R. Ericocro Magi. Daniel, I am playing Vatten. I am a half-elf ranger. Hi, my name is Ben, and I am Twig, or Shem. I am a rogue bard and a, a goliath. We hope you enjoy our episode. Welcome back to City on the Hill Gaming. I am your Game Master Ryan, and we are back for probably no more dice rolling. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We're gonna. We're a little, little short on folks tonight, uh, but we do have Peter. Hello, Jenny. Yeah. And Ben. And we're gonna hang out and talk, talk world building and talk about character stuff again, because I liked how it went last time, and we're gonna do it some more, and then hopefully next time will they'll hit they'll hit a thing or put some works in timeout or something as as is their want to do um oh and and first before i go any further because i i probably won't remember later special thanks to the three fine folks who have now backed us on patreon which is super cool um joanne ashley and tony and the fine folks over at the nerd of Godcast uh have all backed our patreon and that's awesome Thank you guys. We, we genuinely appreciate the uh, the assistance, and I'm I'm looking at some new options for some things to to maybe help improve our recording in the future. So much love, yes, Excellent. much much love, much appreciated. Um, thank you guys, and if you're interested, Patreon.com/slash City on Hill Gaming and Patreon.com/slash STDcast STGcast. Uh, saving the game. Saving Just the game. Okay. All three words on the Patreon. I will put that yeah. uh, in the description as well. Let's go check them out. And, mm, that's uh, what Jenny yeah. and I do. <laughs> yes. And tonight, uh, in in the absence of our three other players, uh, Grant, Daniel, and William, we're gonna talk world building and such, and maybe do some character specific world building because I think that'd be kind of neat. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, we'll do, we'll uh, we'll start the way we did last time. If you guys have questions, ask questions, and then then if not, we'll we'll build a thing. Build build a D and D okay, workshop. Okay, I got. I I got a question. Ask a question. Did you have, a, and this is gonna be like really my character specific. So like okay. if if I'm getting too much like my character specific, uh, y'all can talk right on over me. Um. Because uh, I don't want this to be like the Jenny does world building while others watch show. Um, I mean, I've already looked but... at I don't mind that either. <laughs> um, did you have anything very specific in mind for John's like origin, backstory, and hometown? Because I did. <laughs> but I did not discuss that with you because I I didn't know what you were planning. So... The town that's there, um, I think it's called Greyhold, I believe is what I named it, essentially like was I needed something to put people in next to the rift that causes the crimson, that, that, that let the crimson energy flood in that creates Crimsonborn. 
Um, so no, it's 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 small oh, village that's not very big, has at least one church in it because I know that's part of your your backstory. Um, so, uh, not necessarily continue okay. though. No, no, that, like, that's essentially it. The rift is within a day's walk of it, and that's about all there is that I've really dug into for for Greyhold. It's on the well, that and it's on the edge of the desert. Okay. Um. So the the thing that I was sort of thinking for this is like it is known that uh john uh encountered a very magical accident as a child so what i was basically thinking was yes very small town yes very close to the rift um john being sort of like taken in as like literal two-year-old or like infant um by sort of like religious first responders sort of thing from a nearby monastery um that's very like desert sandstone stonework kind of thing um and so he owes a massive debt to the particular cleric that saved him but was unable to save his parents um that kind of thing so Yes, very small town. Not necessarily church nearby. I'm thinking like, or church in town. I'm. I was sort of thinking like, John was taken from his hometown to the um, monastery. To the monastery, okay. which is still desert. Um, sure. Maybe even a little bit more desert. And there is where he got into plants and how to do gardening in dry arid places. Okay, okay, like the thing um, you bought from Bastion. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I actually like the idea. Of- um, that sort of so this is something that doesn't happen in D anD D when something goes wrong, like a dragon lays waste to a town or a portal opens or whatever, soldiers respond. But unlike in our world, there's no firemen, yeah, or or paramedics or whatever. So the idea of like a first responder group of like monks and clerics, who like I, I like that actually, uh, maybe the occasional paladin or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, like just in That's- general religious first responders like divine magic first responders i, I like that a lot actually very cool i've, you know I've yet um, to think of a name for them that's what i was going to say i want I... you to name them then because if if we're going to do this we're going to do this and we can okay. make them like a, um, a specific group that's like specific to that area but like let me look at hold on let me f- you, you keep going let me see if i can find that map i've got an idea for a name if you don't have one give me a name the swift hands of mercy so there's the rift. There's I'm looking at Grant. The map, really, really pretty map. Grant made me. Ooh. Really nice map. Oh, oh this specific... was the incarnate map that Grant did, right? There you go. Yes. And this is like yeah. the specific region directly around where most of what you guys have done has been. So. Yeah. Sort of on the river is where Greyhold is, and then the rift is sort of the south. And then. Okay. Further past that is the actual desert. The sort of massive, expansive desert where the dragon you guys have interacted with slightly is. Okay. Um, So yeah, I was sort of thinking... Greyhold is like a bigger place, isn't it? Like, it's actually showing up on the map, for one thing. Well, Um, and that was mostly because it's where you were from. That's why it's on the map. But it's it's not as big as Varen... And it's probably not 
because Varen's sort of the first city you guys were really in. It's smaller than Varen, but it's yeah. not a tiny okay. village. All right. Um, okay, Peter, okay. what did you call them? Uh, the Swift Hands of Mercy. Okay, because I want to write that down. Okay. I'm, Jenny, Jenny I'm was a little thinking, ambivalent, so... I'm, see, this is another thing where, like, setting comes into play, but, like, um, one of my favorite things to do is make up, like, saints and stuff okay. for, for games. So I'm wondering if, like, so-and-so's, like, Saint so-and-so's swift hands would be... I, I muted myself in the recording so I can type and then didn't unmute myself. There we oh. go. Because um, <laughs> keyboard is loud. Um, so one thing I'm fond of doing when it comes to situations like this is looking up Old Testament or like Hebrew names of God. And I, I will say I am real wary of that personally, okay. Fair. just because of the way that the Anglican church looks at the nuances of God's different names. Okay. So personally, you would I love a good patron saint. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that's fine. I'm okay with that. Uh, then instead of saint, because this is a this is a concept I play with a little bit. The concept of shepherds. Mm, okay. Sort of guiding figures throughout the world's history. Yeah. Yeah. So um, if we, if you want to, I'll, I'll tell you what. You give me a race. And a name for a shepherd. Okay. And we'll go um, that oh, way with it. I I have a bigger idea. Okay. Can I, okay. So I like the swift hands thing. I do too. What? Okay. Hang on. Let me get let me get some good words for this. So different shepherd name per location. Swift hand staying. A constant and then of something else. Of like of shepherd. And then in general the 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 overarching organization name is the Swift Hands. Okay. Oh, so it'd be like the Red Cross of, you know, Canada or whatever. And Yeah. And this would be But it would probably be like the village's name or something instead. Or like one that was started by a specific shepherd. Well, I'm I'm still I'm still sort of thinking on like the patron saint thing. So like so-and-so swift hands of mercy would be like the people from Greyhold and they focus heavily on their um their jobs as acts of mercy. Okay. Whereas another swift hands group might be focusing more on courage and bravery or or something like that. They're doing basically the same job but they're coming at it from different viewpoints. I don't know if that's too much or what, or if it would be simpler to just name them all the same thing. So I, I don't mind you... there being a distinction between uh, accomplishment, I guess. Okay. What is... Okay, let me see if I can do this. Apologies for the keyboard, no, keyboard, keyboard noises. And you were looking for a race and name, right? Yes. Do we want to go Raphael, with the alliteration? If it happens to to alliterate. <laughs> if it if it so happens. I like that. Um okay, and I'm gonna pronounce this wrong. Um 
Chesed. Chesed is the Hebrew word for mercy. It's Chesed. Chesed. It's okay. that, it's that um, kind of throat clearing thing. I heard that used in a sermon not too long ago. Okay. So Steadfast yeah, it's loyalty. It's, yeah, it's um, huh. it's pronounced Chesed. Chesed. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> There's all sorts of words, or Ginny can just make up a name. I'm also not opposed to that. Um. <laughs> Hi, cat. There she is. I like that you almost introduced her like a pageant queen, since she's the goblin queen. <laughs> <laughs> there she is. The goblin I, I, have the cat of, walk. I have Doing a picture the of the cat, cat like, holding up one paw and like, gently tilting it from side to side. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> what about like lay l-e-i-g-h okay l-e-i-g-h okay uh race uh half elf okay half elf. uh give me a time period within we'll say 700 years prior to current time I want it old. Let's okay. go 650. Because I've set the... I've set them being pretty... Like, the original shepherds being pretty far back. Swift hands of shepherd... Does it just lay? Uh, yeah. L-E-I-G-H. Okay. Alright, I like it. A significantly older half-elven shepherd. Okay. Very nice. Okay, so that would... Go ahead and do me... Okay, do me one more thing, then. Name the monastery. Can you come back to me in, like... Okay. A little bit? I'm gonna look up some succulent names. Okay, okay, I like it. Names of, of succulent I... plants. Oh, yeah. there you go. P Peter. Yeah. Let's do a Bertrand thing. All right. <clears throat> so, so t tell me... Tell, tell me of the Bertrand, because we, we know Bertrand now, like you said. We know, you know, sort of the I will fix the thing, Bertrand. Yeah. But give give me something uh, unknown, at least in story, for Bertrand. So I'm going to actually throw this back on you a little bit, because you said you had, like, a specific area that you wanted him to be from, and we never really had that conversation. Okay, so loosely north of where you guys have been. So the, the region you guys are in is called Onwaru. Right. At one point, Onwaru was sort of jointly inhabited by both dwarves and orcs. All right. And at some point, probably before you were born, uh, like when you're maybe when your father was a child or something, the orcs drove the dwarves across. So if do you have that map open? Mm -hmm. Okay. So across from Myasin, there's a place called the Forge of Terea. That was a right. big dwarven like forge city. It okay. is now largely abandoned, and the orcs basically crossed the river, or the, the, the dwarves crossed the river into the region of VR, which is still very desert-like, and moved north to the mountains to the place on the map that says Hammerhold. Okay. That is where most dwarves live now, but some of them remember the old areas. You have a familiarity with them because you're, you know, like your father, your grandfather lived at the forge. Okay. Or or something along those lines. So that that's that area. We haven't really explored it much. Um but the forge is a semi abandoned region 
that used to be a large dwarven stronghold city. Okay, so let's say that um, part of the reason why Bertrand has such a love of fixing things is now that it's kind of abandoned, there is an ongoing effort to restore as much of it as possible. Um, some of it is just, you know, hey, this people lived here once, they could live here again. It's not like poisonous or anything. People were just driven out by armed conflict. So this would be a good place for, you know, future generations to expand back into. But also, you know, if dwarves lived there for a long time, there's probably a lot of, I guess, like archaeological style work that could be done. You know, a lot of recovering things, restoring old, you know, historical relics and that sort of thing. So Ancient dwarven underground mines, cities, statues... <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, even simple stuff like, you know, we haven't used this particular design for hammers for 250 years, but we found the head for one. So let's make a new, you know, recast haft. this. And... Yeah, well, well, let's make a new haft for it and, you know, polish it up and stick it in a display case someplace. Okay, okay. And, um, you know, just kind of as like, hey, this is our history. This is, you know, kind of where some of these designs came from, that sort of thing. So maybe prior to becoming a world traveling, you know, fixer of things, Bertrand was involved in some of that. Like whatever guild that he was part of kind of went into this old, you know, forge of Teria and would just kind of pick through the the ruins or the abandoned areas for stuff that could be restored or at least documented really well. And then okay. that stuff either went back to Hammerhold or some of it probably got put back into service or yeah. Okay, you name the guild then. Oh, it's that's got to be the Restorers Guild, of course. Like, there's there's a whole group of people doing this, so this is their job. So, archaeological restoration. Yes. Partially archaeological, partially reclamation. Reclamation for reuse. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I dig it. I dig it. So. I it's... found a name. Sorry. Okay. Sorry, Peter. Go on. Go no. Go ahead. Um. This also fits in with like maybe why John's magic would work the way it would. Uh, fenestraria. That's basically like Latin for windows and stuff. Um, and the way that fenestraria succulents work is they work on light refraction, which is John's big old thing. So they have like these clear windows in the tops of them that magnify light onto um, the areas of the plant that have um, uh, the green bits fo that, that photosynthesize chlorophyll. So, so the chlorophyll is, is um, only getting light because these windows refract it better. Okay. Oh, so I okay. I don't know I think that sort of like applies to the church spreading light and allowing the light to let things grow better and stuff like that. Those are really cool looking. Yeah. And they're African. I think so. I don't know. Namibia. Um, That's cool. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so Monastery de Finistraria. Dig it. Okay. And I might do some more... Actually, if you want to, at some point, it doesn't have to be right now. 
if you want to find a handful of other names that we could use for other similar monasteries. Sure. Um, that we we could sort of assign to other shepherds who do, mm-hmm. like you said, similar but not exactly the same work. Yeah. Uh, okay, Peter. Yeah. Okay, so we've got the guild. We've named the guild. Tell me something big and historic they found, you guys found in your work. It could be a, a statue, an ancient weapon, a vault of some kind, some kind of like... Larry the podcast train. Larry. <laughs> I I've got an idea. I'm just trying to think of a name. Okay. It could even be part of the actual forge itself. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was thinking is like some particularly like here's here's what I'm thinking. Like basically like this anvil and maybe like some casting dies or something that were used for maybe not necessarily religious, but some kind of thing that requires a certain amount of reverence, like, you know, either like um, either parts of like a church or something, or maybe like something that got, that had like this really profound historical significance to the dwarves, like the, the anvil that this stuff was pounded out on or the, the dies that were used to cast it are almost as important as the thing itself. So like if you um, kind of, kind of the sense that I'm thinking of here is like the glass cutters that were used on the windows in Notre Dame or like the mold that was used to forge the Liberty bell or something like something okay. like of that. So something maybe part of a process. Cause I know you've done some stuff with stained glass, maybe something that went into the windows of like maybe the cathedral in the city. Yeah, maybe there was some kind of like a special pigment or something that there was like a small, finite supply of, and And they were left behind when they yeah it was it was thought lost, and it was discovered again like way far away from where it would have supposed to have been in the city. Like there's just like this you know like a like this steel like cylinder or something that's like marked with some dwarven runes that are, you know, that indicate it's this special, let's say a special blue pigment. Why not? It's used for like skies and certain stained glass windows. And it takes like, you can do something to it where you get very like realistic looking clouds. And it's very hard to come by. It's from some, you know, rare mineral that's really only good for this. So it's not like actively sought by miners or something. It may be something that you find, you know, just when you're, you're digging for something else. Yeah, they they found that. <laughs> okay. And, okay. And like that. Yeah. It. Is there a name for that color? Yeah, and I'm, you know, once again, I'm thinking like I'm thinking like something's tears, but I'm. Ooh. Okay. Um, I was gonna say, don't just give me like periwinkle or something. No, no, no. How about Gavilon's tears? Ooh. <clears throat> okay. Why do I know that word? I just came up with it now. Oh, okay, it sounds like a thing. It's very, it's very close to my character's name in Grant's. Uh, yeah, that's Charlie. that's Ganelon. Oh, that's and why it sounds it's, familiar. It's also like the, it's also kind of, I guess, like the hammer that you use to pronounce judgment, the gavel. So I think I guess it's a portmanteau yeah. between like a judge hammer and Jenny's character in Grant's game. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> close enough. I like it. <laughs> You, do you want me to pick something different, Jenny? That is awfully close. No. Different games, different world. I don't care. Yeah. Okay. I think it's fine. Fair enough. <laughs> it's also, 
<laughs> it's also a commodity firm out of Omaha, Nebraska. I mean, oh, really? <laughs> Felt differently, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> oh, there's only has one L. Okay. It just it sounded yeah. kind of vaguely dwarvish. <clears throat> yeah, it does. accurate, accurate. Ben, tell yeah. me tell me a shim thing. Because shim done been all over the place. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that. I kind of like the trying to keep things uh, thematically uh, okay. centered. Um, sure. I like I like the the barbarian thing to just be like barbarians are chaos. Okay. Um, which is one of the things that drove Shim out. Because um, it's very not not him. Yeah, okay, yeah, give, and give it, the folks... it explains him wanting to make uh, make a difference in not just himself, but in the in in the world. Okay, and trying to find this piece that where he fits because his people are so not fitting in the with the rest of the world. Okay, give give the folks because I know we we've covered Shim a little bit, particularly in your side quest. Um, give give them a little bit because but I think we. And this is this is on me because I've kind of left off a lot of the intention of the fact that you are basically constantly in disguise. Yes, because you are. Um, Shim, Shim is Goliath, essentially right. rarely appearing that way. Right, very very much, almost always in some form of disguise, uh, trying to even tan his skin a bit through uh cosmetics to appear more uh um olive skinned as opposed to gray okay um and i think the reason for that would be like... because of culturally possibly uh, uh goliaths just tend to uh not necessarily be welcome, but they're they people tend to be standoffish around them. Sure, it's because... not a common D and D trope, and it it reflects the sort of empire I've established for them. For this, that's that's fair. Yeah, uh, they're they're more aggressive than most civilized people would want them to be, oh, and especially seen as, uh, which probably very earned, um, seen more as roving hordish as opposed to. Uh, civilized conversationalists with other races and, and uh, polite society. When I, I, I've created, so the, the region Shim comes from, uh, or I guess mm-hmm. would, would have originated in, is one I created very much like, you use the word empire very correctly. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a very, um, very almost, I guess, like vaguely Spartan. Right. In the sense that, like, military training is expected, you know, going off to serve your time is expected, and it's kind of a yes. very sheltered-in um, region, so to speak, I think. And so that is, that's uh, very not shim. Yeah. And I was thinking also very similar, like, I guess signed up kind of, uh, um, at least in my head, uh, Mongolian in the sense of like Genghis Khan era. Okay. Uh, uh, nomadic. Traveling. Yeah, very nomadic. Okay. Uh, and 
and potentially aggressive to others, but not necessarily for any other reason other than like, oh, you guys, like, they don't have a lot of their own supply. It's very, and very territorial. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, I, yeah, I, the, I, little, I, the little that we have, we keep. Yes. And try to collect more. If we can expand on that little, we will. Uses. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Actually sounds a little Viking-y. A touch. Right. Like a little bit of that too, yeah. Yeah. Point. And the region is very northern, very hilly, very rugged, very cold. Yes. And it's largely, if I'm not mistaken, the way I set it up originally, it's largely just um, Goliath and like avian races. Right is is basically all that that tend to keep to that region. So that's uh, okay. So let's let's bake a thing then. Okay. Or let's um, let's. Do you want to describe something from there or something you found after you left? I think I just called it solitude. The place. Uh, at least the it's, I can't remember if the whole region where just the capital is just called solitude. Okay. I didn't rip that at all from Skyrim. I apologize. Um, or is it Skyrim? Yes, Solitude's in Skyrim, yeah. It's, uh, it's one of the uh, northernmost cities in Skyrim. And it, it, I feel like it describes sort of that mentality. Thinking outside of maybe the Goliath side, um, joined, like, I know, because he would have been picked up by, or he would have implanted himself somehow into like a, a caravan down to the bazaar and i can't remember his name but the your friend from growing up got you in with a merchant he knew into a caravan to get you out of the area right. why did you want to leave or is that a character secret that we'll get to eventually? no no, that's actually from oh. that was sort of part of that thing yeah yeah no he, he was uh that's kind of where twig uh which is his goliath name kind of comes from is because he's diminutive in the sense of a Goliath, uh, which is what makes him pass for non-Goliath, uh, is that he's only six foot tall and uh, a little bit on the scrawnier side for a Goliath. Um, and so he was basically, the run to the litter kind of picked on, uh, and there was one, and I kept drawing a complete blank on what- I, on I found what, it. Right? His, his name is Noxu. Noxu, yeah. I had yeah. to go look it up. <laughs> Noxu sort uh, of like the exact opposite of Twig, but treats Twig like a, a sibling, and is very protective okay. of him. And but is about to—he's completed his military training, and is about to be shipped out. Sort of leaving okay. Twig without, or, or you know, Ben's character without someone to protect him, essentially. Yeah. And so he left before his support vanished, basically. More or less. Like, yeah. Noxu basically comes to him and is like, I'm leaving. That means it's time for you too as well. Gotcha. And then sort of puts him into a merchant caravan where he knows several of the merchants, and the merchants bring him south. Shim just kind of working his way through the caravan. Gotcha. And I guess sort okay. of loosely becoming Shim at that point. Right. Uh, and like taking on the the uh, the persona of Shim and the uh, 
the guise of those that traveled with that he traveled with, um, using them kind of as the template. Right. Okay. So, do you know much about that caravan? Because it seems like whoever was in charge of that seems like they could be kind of a cool NPC. Okay. So, uh, I had to dig, I had to dig back into the notes. Um, the dwarf merchant he put you with is named Miknar. Miknar. And I believe the only people you met in the caravan were Miknar, and then at one point a, um, I think a half-elf, and the half-elf half is the one, I'm not even trying to name the half-elf, the half-elf is the one who gave you the rapier. Right. Sort of near the end of the, the travel, but Miknar's sort of the one you worked for. Okay, right. I have another idea based on this already. You want to do like a six degrees of separation where obviously like the, the player characters met each other in session one and we don't want to undo that, but maybe like one of Bertrand's relatives knows Miknar. Who knows? Or is Miknar. Yeah, or is Miknar. And just like, yeah. you know, like, ah, you're off traveling again. It's good to see you back, you know? Like, okay, so here, here's an option then. Because if, if we're going to make a thing, I want it to be a thing I actually uh, will reuse. So, like, Ginny's Monastery will come up at some point. The Restorer's right. Guild will come up at some point. So why don't we... Do you maybe want to do the caravan? Okay. Like, try yeah. and flesh... Unless you, unless you have something else, or both. We can, like, flesh out Miknar's caravan and maybe some of what his purpose is, maybe some of what Miknar does on the side. Of sort of like assisting people. Yeah, no, actually, that's the thing. Like I've with uh, because of kind of how I put Twig in my head, um, I'm honestly discovering him as we go. Uh, so I'm, I'm I'm discovering little pieces about him as as events unfold. Um, so I hadn't actually done a lot. Uh, of pre-writing, I should say. Okay, so um, let's make him. Let's make him one of Bertrand's cousins or something. I like that. I'm I'm cool with that. Kind of, uh, the the merchant guild versus the. Uh, okay. Yeah. 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 Versus the restorers guild. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Name name that too. Let's not just go merchant guild. Let's go. Right. Right. Um, this is not the thieves guild in Skyrim. The first guild you always join. <laughs> I mean, what? Uh, I can I be that guy and admit never having to play Skyrim? That's okay. I I've technically <sighs> I probably have a couple hundred hours into that game and I've never played Skyrim because I've never gone more than probably no more than three or four of those hours have ever had anything to do with the main storyline. <laughs> because That's you know exactly the reason why I have not I've played Skyrim her. because I hear those stories. And, and there's, I go, oh, oh no, no, I can't do this. There's 11 billion <laughs> other things I could be doing, and they all look so cool. And you know, yeah, we're just gonna do those instead. I've never completed the main story of that game in probably 100 or 150 play hours. I've wow. never come close. That was, that was my uh, Red Dead storyline. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, it's not my style. I just kind of was like, ooh, look shiny things. Yeah. Ooh, look other quests. Yeah. I, ooh. 
I was the the hunter and skinner of many animals in Red Dead. Okay, fair enough. You can kind of run the trapper <laughs> route. Fair, I like it. Um. Okay, so let, let, let's I, let's get specific. Like, what kind of merchant? What what makes Mcnar, uh, the caravan you care about? When when he rolls well, into your town, what what makes his dwarven wares unique? Yeah. I like him being uh kind of the purveyor of omnicultural things. Uh so he's like the, the the tinker trader who has the like little bits from everyone. He's kind of the UN. Uh so it's not just dwarven goods, but it's he's the he's the one who gets the goods from Everywhere he travels to bring together. Uh, so he'll have the, like Orcish spices and elven silk. Right. And... Like he's the, the traveling, like swap and shop kind of place. Um, Hi, you want you I'm want gonna... elven Dwinor spice? I got elven Dwinor spice. Come here. <laughs> okay, okay. I know I like that. He's kind of the. He he will if he doesn't carry the thing you want, he will find someone who does. Right, right. Like essentially the uh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the, all the the fun big words. Uh, he's the uh, he's the stuff and things of everything. <laughs> he's he's the traveling Bob and Larry stuff and things and also boxes. Okay, right. Okay, he's uh, he's the when I think I think if you want to make it sort of a an emotional connection to him thing, sort of the, I see it come up a lot, like the, why do you make this? Well, no one here was was doing it before and I wanted it, so now I do it. So yeah. sort of make him the person who, like, he was looking for something particularly dwarven he couldn't find, he found a supplier, now he realizes there's all these people looking for, like, culturally specific things from wherever their home is, and he's the guy who can get them for you. Yes. And maybe also someone who, like he did for you, maybe you're not the first person he's moved. Willingly. <clears throat> I should clarify that. Like maybe he, maybe he assists with, you know, people starting over. I've, I've got a, I've got a thought there. Like, um, Bertrand's kind of like kind and helpful, you know, personality maybe runs in the family a little bit. And um No argument here. Like the uh the idea that, you know, sometimes people just need a fresh start or something. Maybe um maybe McNair did something rough when he was younger. And it was kind of like you know, did did something bad as like a kid? Um, you know, broke something important, or just made a mess of some relationships, or something like that. Just, and I'm thinking like even pre teenager years. Like, um, oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, got a chance to kind of like, and then you know maybe his family moved or something, and he got a chance to kind of like undo this thing that had kind of made him not so great with his peer group and learned from it. And he was fine after that. 
Okay. And kind of believes in giving other people that sort of second chance when he can. I like it. Sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. That chance to like, yeah, yeah. Start from scratch. Start fresh. Yeah. Like something, you know, like once again, I'm thinking like the sort of stuff that like kids will do that will get them like a bad reputation with maybe like just unreliable or weird or something like that. Not... I'm not thinking this guy has something real dark in his past that would follow sure. him into mm. his adulthood. Just yeah, not an all. experience that gave him an appreciation for sometimes people just need another shot. Well, I was looking through, kind of flipping through uh, Thesaurus's uh, it, words, and I came across uh, accession, which is something that augments or adds to. Um. Hmm. Which is A C C E S S I O N, which coming up with a, like a caravan name for that being the thing. The thing that he does is to take the lost or abandoned pieces of cultures, which would also fit very well with him being or Twig being lost or abandoned from the sort of the Goliath. It's more about yeah, 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 to the Goliath. Um, and so he's, he's, it's something that he has another thing for him to, for Mcnar to add value to, um, or to augment, to make better. Okay. And so that we can actually just make that the name of the. The caravan. Like I was thinking something incorporated, but something less, uh, Businessy, I guess. <laughs> Coagination. Ooh. Sp- spell. <laughs> uh, C O A D U N A T I O U N or T I O N. Sorry. Wait. C O D. I'll chat. I'll I'll chat it. Okay, because that's that's a new one for Ryan. Um, Ryan's learning all sorts of I'm fun a huge words. Fan. Coagination. Coagination. Not just for Ryan either. That is a new one for the union. Two people in this chat. As of dissimilar substances in one body or mass. Interesting. It would be an appropriate name. So it would be. <laughs> I'm trying to avoid adding the word train onto the end of any of this. Accession coagination. <laughs> That's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, it is. Okay. That sounds like a, a like a rare disease that you can get from like bad water in a remote part of the world or something. Accession coagination. Although I I, I do kind of like accession train. <laughs> I'll board the accession train. No, that's uh, I don't like that. That's terrible. Okay, okay. Wait, get, get, let's get a third word because if we get a third word, we can make an acronym. Okay. Uh, something with like a T or a, or something like that. Just because we're laughing about it. Um, I have concerns. Oh, I was <laughs> looking at the source, the source for train. Oh, caravan, convoy. Consecution? What is that word? It's a sequence. Consecution. Or concatenation. <clears throat> Concatenation, yes. What does that mean? Concatenation is when you uh, kind of combine stuff together. It's a, I've heard it used as a programming term. 
Mkaden, what is even happening? Okay. I, I dig it. <laughs> I dig all of it. It's we're, we're learning vocabulary words. Let's come to the dictionary. This is like when Jenna showed up and like I learned what the word petrichor meant. Yeah, this is what this is how me and Jenna are friends. <laughs> I, I can clearly understand a, a, a deep and abiding love of obscure vocabulary. <clears throat> so yes. like petrichor was her tabaxi's name. Petrichor is the word for the smell of rain. Ooh. Yeah, that actually got brought Not up exactly. last episode. Or like, okay, like rain on dry ground. <clears throat> Interesting. Yes. It's also like, I believe it also refers to the smell that grass exudes when it's basically crying. Ooh, interesting. Um, it because because grass knows. Grass knows things. Huh. So there so there you go. <clears throat> that sounds vaguely yeah. sinister. The grass knows. I mean, <laughs> I mean yes. grass knows what you did. <laughs> uh so catnate as a verb means to link together, unite in a series or chain. Shifting to concatenation or concatenating or concatenated. ACC. <laughs> ACC for sure. ACC for short. <laughs> Nick Norris, ACC. Bertrand's like, ah, yes, my uncle. <laughs> he, he had a love of the uh, large words. <laughs> He's very precise, but sometimes you still can't understand him. And only his, his employees call it ACC. Because if you let McNar use the full name, he really enjoys explaining all of it. Right. <laughs> and that really slows down business agreements. Because he he really gets into the root of all of it. And so they just call it the ACC to keep him moving and for no other reason. He's like, let me tell you the etymology of these terms. <laughs> All right, come here, sit down. We're going we're to talk oh, about words. We're, we're going to be here all day, aren't we? I thought, oh, I, was here to, I thought I was here to buy spices. You are, but after we talk about words, come here. Yeah. Yes. That, that's, that's a purely I'm going to expand your horizons and your vocabulary. Yes. <laughs> Love it. Okay. Okay, now let's... So so we've we've done a, a Shim thing, a Bertrand thing, and a Jean thing. Let's do a not-you-guys thing. You, you you guys pick a thing and we'll go a direction. Well, you were talking about wanting to do something with goblins, right? Si, senor. Let's do a, like a goblin community of some kind. Okay. So, so, so far, goblins have taken two forms. Um, there have been... The, the very, like, very beginning, like, first three sessions, I think, of the first campaign, they just basically, I just threw goblins at them. Repeatedly right. for I didn't have better ideas at that point. Um, and then since then, goblins have only been seen one other time. And that was because I added flying goblins to a thing recently. Ooh. Gliding goblins is probably more accurate. They can't actually fly. They don't realize that, though. Um, <laughs> like, they, like Their wings were added to them without them realizing. They, they think they have wings. Yeah. They actually have me mechanical like blades on their arms that nice. allow them to glide, but when like when launched from catapults, so it was a whole thing. Um, but I've never done the and this this was my frustration. I basically just used goblins as a throwaway, and 
goblins can be really cool if you let them be, so I want to let them be, so g goblin thing. We need, we need a, I, I kind of like the idea of a whole tribe, maybe, because we've not really touched goblins in this game, but there can always be goblins. Do we want to keep the uh, uh, Forgotten Realms language, like styling, because like they have like Guklak as the uh, as the official Goblin language, or do we want to shift off to there to whatever? I'm not opposed. I'm not super familiar with it, but I'm not opposed to it. Let's 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 go uh, with like a very guttural and K heavy. Okay, let's go with like a a desert or mountainous goblin thing. Okay, so I gave you an idea for a name of a goblin city. I thought, um, like, Screevan would be. It's got that kind of harsh and shrill sound to it. Okay, spell, can... spell a thing. Or is it in the thing? It's in the thing. Screevan. It, okay. Yeah, the goblin can be like, I am from Screevan. Screevan. <laughs> very... Yeah. It's very nice town. <laughs> you come visit sometime. Yeah. <laughs> We promise not take all your gold. I mean, what? <laughs> I mean, we sell you so much stuff that you definitely leave with lighter pockets and heavier packs, but... <laughs> For no reason at all. Value determined by weight of object, not by value of object. <laughs> I really think that depends on the specific goblin, really, but... <laughs> well, fair, fair enough. Okay, so we have Screevan. <laughs> I like that a lot, actually. Okay. I like that. <laughs> Their pastime is uh, ski ball. <laughs> it's a, their, the national pastime in Screevan is ski ball. Okay. Ski like ball <laughs> But it's, it's actually just a bunch of goblins holding cups in the air while others throw things at them. <laughs> <laughs> no, they roll it up a slope, and the other goblins have to stand yeah. in a little ditch. They gotta try to catch it. It's like a bowling alley, but made of goblins. Okay, okay, I like it. You you are grasping the madcap insanity that I picture for these little creatures. Yes, As you should. Yes. Just ball is two words. Huh. I assumed it was one. Okay. Okay, so we have the the goblin city of Screevan. Love it. Um, tell me of Screevan's goblins. Are they give give me colors, uh, tattoos, etc. Okay, so go nuts. I, they've got kind of like a, a teal pigment to their um their skin. They're they're kind of like a bluish green. Uh, what if they were tall? Like not by by human standards, but what if they were just a bit taller than normal? So like tall for goblins, not just yeah, like kind of like dwarf height or something like right on the edge of you know medium size I'd say, yeah i'd say right on the edge of medium size okay wait i need to figure out does anyone know offhand because i don't remember even what book they're in in in, in theoretical 5e terms how tall goblin's supposed to be three feet okay right here goblins are small it. category but are three to four feet tall so they're maybe like four foot six or something like that on average. So like, yeah. like let's say the Screevan goblins are like um, like five like yeah like almost five foot eight like almost five foot. Yeah. 
They're yeah. tall, almost five feet. Tall for goblin. Yeah, it works. For okay. the record, I am about five foot two. Fair enough. I don't. And I actually not... have an old friend from high school who is under five feet tall. Fair I enough. know a girl as well. Yeah, she is a little tiny woman. So. Okay, so we have. My friend had a growth hormone disorder, and it was actually very painful for her. Oh no. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I, no, 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 I no. think my old friend was just small of stature. <laughs> mm. <coughs> okay. As... So, tealish goblins. Uh, so, let's make them slightly more civilized and focused than your average goblin. They need to do a thing. What is Screevan known for? Other than, you know, sweet, sweet Olympic style games. Well, I was thinking just like innovation, like, um, okay, kind of going back to what I said when we first started talking about this, like, you know, they're just like little balls of madcap enthusiasm. And so like anything that they work on or do, they just kind of like, dive in full force, you know, so it's a very like, technologically advanced place it's got a lot of like maybe not even just technology but like everything but it's not you know like they'll come up with something new and interesting and mess with it for a little while and then it's not the new thing anymore so they move on to something else so there's like this constant churn of like innovation but it never really gets to the refinement stage unless somebody gives them like a really compelling reason to. So there's a lot of like little prototype gadgets. There's a lot of like um, plays that get put on that do really interesting things with like the, the cast and stuff, but it's, it all seems kind of like a first draft because they're just constantly in forward motion. Okay. It's, it's not that they can't like, um, they're not like deficient in any way. Right. It's just that, they because they're moving. so energetic that it's like they just want to keep trying the next thing, trying the next thing, trying the next thing. You know, okay. it's just it's a cultural thing. It's like a little kid on dodos. A little kid on sure. Like a little kid on on caffeine pills. They're oh. just like yeah, really? yeah, just very much like that. Just just boundless energy. You know, it's okay, okay Peter. I feel terrible that I don't remember this. Uh, the magic set from like two years ago that was heavily artifact based. Kaladesh? Yes. Okay, so like. More than two years ago, I think. <laughs> has, has it been that long? Good night. Okay. But like very invention based, very uh-huh. technological, very moving forward, very. Right. Well, I finished that thing. Time for a new thing. Yep. Okay. Okay, I like it. I like it. Um. And I don't know if it's something to use for the goblins, because you mentioned tattoos, so it had me thinking, may, it might be because I'm actively living in Puerto Rico right now, that I'm obsessed with the art style. Okay. Uh, but Taino, uh, like, Taino is one of, is the uh, indigenous pre-colonial Caribbean people. Um, but if you look up, it's T-A-I-N-O. Uh, they're art style is amazing fascinating me right now indigenous um, caribbean and floridian arawak people yeah okay uh, so if you look at like taino tattoo uh or just t- uh taino art 
Um, it's very, uh, Whoa. I guess, in, in uh, old school. Uh, I don't like cave drawing. Seems too primitive. No, but for, as, as you were just, it's got kind of a like a Maori or um, yeah. Uh, what's the other crap? It's a very simple yes. art style. Heavy, also very intricately and and, and very tied. Heavy dark um, lines, lots of shapes, lots of rounded. movement. It feels very um. I can't remember. Some it feels very Samoan to me. Yeah, um, it feels very like in that sort of like full shoulder, heavy black lines, heavy. Uh, historical art presence. Yes, this is really cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm obsessed with this right now. Um, this back of calf tattoo this dude has is really cool. All right, what are you guys looking at here? Okay, so okay. I just I just Google imaged Tino, which is like you said, T A I N O people tattoo. But so like a lizard, uh, like look at this picture of a lizard is literally straight line or like uh, it's single line for the entire body and then you draw a circle for the head um or like the sun image is is a circle with a line across the middle with basically two eyes as a like eyes and a mouth and then yeah, yeah, yeah. six around the okay. outside like it's so, a very simple design so to describe this to listeners who may not have the ability to google things yes. imagine a combination of like Maori tattoos with like Mesoamerican art. So yeah. like the look of like the um the bas reliefs and like an Aztec or an Inca temple or something combined with like Maori style tattoos. It is really cool looking. I can see why you're into this. Yeah, this is like and it does have that very like feels almost uh like Aztec. Yeah, yeah it's a it's very simple. Art but you style. could totally see how you could tell stories oh, in a yeah. hurry, especially if, you, if we're thinking that they're if like they're just this this caffeinated Constantly ball of energy evolving. They don't yeah. have time to detail an image. It's here. Let's get this. This is this is what a snail looks like, and it's just a spiral. Like <laughs> it's almost got a, like it's got a vaguely like you said cave painting or vaguely like hieroglyphic. Yeah, yeah. Hieroglyphic would probably be better because it's definitely more sophisticated than a cave painting. Fair, fair. Yeah, these are yeah. cool. Like a literally turtle is a circle with an X on it and four lines, five lines coming out to represent the head and the forearms. It's super simple. Um, well, like I've, but I've yeah, one here of like a what frog it is a... too, which is cool. Yeah. Baby is a, it looks, it, <laughs> I love this one though. The baby looks like it's a pineapple with two eyes. <laughs> Aww. That's the drawing for baby <laughs> it's not inaccurate i love it <laughs> huh but it, it has this very simple very but very stylized and very story driven look to it yeah like you said like very, like the attempt to very quickly convey a message right i like that like it's um i don't have time to spend on a lot of this from a but I still want to get this message across. And I still yeah. want it to be right. meaningful. I like that. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. That's really cool. Okay. Um, 
Okay, so we, we've named the city. Name me the kind of goblin they are. Are they just, so like, the city is screaming, but like, give me something like, culturally, are they the scree? Are they the, or does the city name have nothing to do with it? Um, maybe the city and the name of their culture is the same. Yeah. That, yeah. That's kind of expedient. Like the and... They're just, they're the Screven. Yeah. Screven. Okay. All right. Because this, this will most certainly be a thing at some point, because I want to do an all-goblin game. So if you were if you were a single, it would just be a Screve? Screve. Yeah. As a, and as a people, you're Screven? No, I, I think it would still work as both singular and plural. There are a lot okay. of languages that allow for that, and I feel okay. like if we're going for, for a culture based on efficiency, um, okay. plurality can be implied by context. Okay. Yeah, that's a good okay. point. I like that. Make and like it. Per, the 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 sort of technological fast pace, constantly moving, permeates everything essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Even their perception of who they are to everyone else. Okay. Kind of dig that actually. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Now to find I, out I if there's pictures of keel goblins. Yeah, I think this also this the same phenomenon makes them. <laughs> unusually friendly because they're constantly trying to find new people to bounce stuff off of like they, mm. you know it's like they the kind of like constant forward momentum that they crave requires outside feedback more often than would be normal for something like that so and constant new in uh inspiration for things so mm -hmm. yeah or all of a sudden you have a whole new world of things that you can pick up and learn and change and evolve <laughs> yeah and it's it's like sometimes it's like in in ways that like even the original source of this would be mystified by like you know some some dwarven trader comes into town and he comes back like a couple of weeks later and a goblin shows him like a wiring scheme based on the way his beard was braided or something. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and I like the idea that they don't, they're friendly partially because they don't have time to not be. Right. Like, you may as well start off on a good foot with people, like a good stance, and just keep moving forward. Yeah. You know, it just, I like that. Like, it's a genuine thing, mm. but it's a... It's also an expedient thing. Yeah, it's a, it's a very specifically culturally them thing. Yeah. Well, it's something I and I love like from a, a an author that I've been reading uh, a bit of uh, has a, a goblin set in one of his book sets. Um, but they live in, in, in his world. They only live twenty years, I think, ten to twenty years. So, in the normal race of a of a human, you'll get generations of goblins. Um, and I kind of like that, especially for them being so chaotic that they they have a shorter lifespan. It'd be a, a shorter than normal D, D lifespan for goblin uh and so yeah it's they're they're driven to always make friends always expand and they don't now have that like solarians from mass effect always leave things better than how they found them constantly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay sure because that's that's one of the things about the solarians is they only have like a 50-year lifespan and then they're done so they they like and it the thing that's interesting about them is they even like talk faster and stuff like 
you run into like Solarian characters and they have like a, a little bit of like a higher pitch to their voice and they kind of like, you know, spit stuff out and bullet points and things because they don't have as much time. So hmm. they're just like, get concepts across, move on to next thing. You know, and that would be how like a Solarian would actually talk to you. Okay. I like it. This is so, yeah, really cool. So a little bit of that for the Screevan maybe. Okay. Does anyone want to add anything to any of the things? That made sense. <laughs> Does anyone have any additions? We'll go with that. That makes more I, sense. I have, I have no additions at this time. Okay. And Jenny, I do want to do, like, at some point I want us to just, like, record a thing where we really get in uh, Greyhold and the monastery. Oh, heck yeah. Like, like dig, dig a little deeper, maybe on all of these. Maybe we do this for everything. I yeah. kind of like that. Yeah. Okay. Like, I've already got a building design sort of working for the monastery and i have a few other ideas for like other monastery designs okay i um, dig it like like desert based ones okay i like it so in an hour roughly we've created two guilds a new coloring mineral a new company a monastery a religious first responding group, and an entire goblin city. Mm-hmm. I think we've done pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad for an hour. Not bad at all. Yeah. Okay. I kind of like this. Kind of like... Not like... It's like workshopping. Mm-hmm. I dig it. Okay. I think we're going to call it there. Um, Peter, tell me the saving the game things. All right, so... um. Uh, Jenny, myself, and uh, the other host who isn't here, Grant, are also on the Saving the Game podcast, where we we do actually stuff closer to what we did tonight than um, the actual play thing. We're kind of uh, an applied theology and RPG analysis podcast, and uh, you can find our stuff at stgcast.org that, or savingthegamepodcast.org if you feel like typing out the longer version. Either one will redirect to the same website. Uh, that has all of our episodes, and we've got like a seven and a half year backlog at this point. So we're up in well into the 160s. Um, we also, because we have an every other week release schedule, there's a collection of blog posts that I write for uh, the podcast there. And we're on social media at Saving the Game, Facebook at Saving the Game. It's pretty easy to find us. Excellent. Um, and you can find us at cityonahillgaming.com. Or City on a Hill game on Twitter. Uh, we should be once this will come out. I think this will be the last. This will actually be the last upload of the year, if I'm not mistaken. This will be our last upload of 2019, and we will come back next year with more puns. I promise you, more puns. There will be things, but there will always be more puns. I mean, if you let us near the water, there will be fish puns, especially Lots of fish puns, <laughs> barrels of them. There we go. Just They'll just go all be spelt right out. Yes. You'll be looking at us and going, you cod! Very nice. Very nice. We haven't had those in a while. So, I'm, I'm kind of, we had, re, we had to refill the puns. Yeah. Build them back up. Okay. We appreciate everyone listening. Have a blessed day. Thanks for listening to City on the Hill Gaming. For more information, you can find us online at cityonthehillgaming.com. 
email us at cityonthehillgaming at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at cityonthehillgame. For more information on saving the game, you can find Peter, Grant, and Jenny at stgcast.org or at saving the game on Twitter. Thanks and have a blessed day. Special thanks to our Patreon supporters, Joanne, Ashley, and Tony and the fine folks over at the Internet Godcast. Your help is genuinely appreciated. Thank you guys so very, very much. You can find our Patreon over at patreon.com slash cityonahillgaming. Okay, let's do um, Jenny. Yeah. Sound check, por favor. Sure. Um, We haven't done this in a while. Both the boys looked discontented. No, it's one I had for Christmas, Neil said. You ought to know the way they go they go on about wasting time and money on useless things. They won't give me another till my birthday. Then that's easy, said Howell. You won't mind stopping if you've done it before, and I'll bribe you with a new one. Really? Both boys said eagerly, and Neil added, Can you make it another one of those that no one else has got? Yes, but just take a look at this first and tell me what it is, Howell said, and he held the shiny gray paper out in front of Neil. Both boys looked at it. Neil said, It's a poem, in the way most people would say, It's a dead rat. It's the one Miss Angorian set for last week's homework, said the other boy. I remember wind and finned. It's about submarines. What is this? Howl's Moving Castle by Diana Wynne-Jones, which is very, very different from the movie. Nice. I have not seen any of his work yet. Or read any of them, for that matter, either. I need to see me some Ghibli at some point. Hmm. I like that. It's so vague in what they're talking about. I I dig that. Ben. (laughs) You gain the ability to turn death into flames of vitality. When a small or larger creature that you can see dies within 30 feet of you, your wildfire spirit, or your wildfire spirit, you can use your reaction to cause primal flames to spring from the body. When a creature you see touches uh, these flames, the creature regains hit points or takes fire damage. Your choice. Um, (laughs) I have concerns. (laughs) <laughs> okay so here's just hoping wizards patches that out before it goes from ua to uh, actual book release content peter write what interests you the received wisdom in many books and online articles is to write what you know the problem with this advice is that what you know may not interest you just as what you're talented in may not interest you as a career A writer often has to be a kind of benevolent liar to convince the reader that he or she is an expert in the absence of real expertise. You can always find out what you do not know, but you can't fake the spark of curiosity that comes from being interested in something. Writing what interests you engages more than your imagination. It ensures that you can reconcile your writing and non-writing lives. Besides, sometimes the mind needs to come at things sideways. If you write what interests you, you may find a way to write your way toward the thing you know. The great fantasist Angela Carter, for example, wrote about her experiences in Japan at one point in her career, and then later, after studying fairy tales, published the feminist collection The Bloody Chamber. Hmm. That is an expert from, er, eh, expert, excerpt from Wonder Book by Jeff Vandermeer. It's a book about writing science fiction, fantasy, and other speculative fiction. I think it's, it actually sounds nicely like it fits with what we're doing. So that's, uh, huh. yeah, I, I, you know, I was like, Oh crud, we do the sound check thing. And I'm like frantically looking around the shelves, like, what can I grab? What can I grab? 
Like, see, something I like about this, creativity. I, I have none of the pressure of having to figure out something to read. I just get you guys to do it. 